right, uh, let's see, I got my recording going. Uh, let's get the volumes, test it. What the he I'm sorry, Sydney, we're gonna have to wait a second to start. Like, three plucky fifth graders have come down here with their bird friend. I, who are, what do you do? How did you get in here? The door was locked. I, hold on, one of them wants to come over. What's that? You thought of an intro for this episode? Ah, oh, thanks, kid. You know, you guys are all right. Now get the hell out of my house. This is private property. Ugh, I, I need to figure, there's some security problems with my house, Sydney, clearly. But um, anyway, <clears throat> just like I podcast it. You know, I will say, for like the first like 15 seconds of that, I, I thought you were <laughs> being serious. <laughs> oh, you thought I was actually just like setting up the episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well, okay. So to bring everyone inside baseball a little bit, which is one of my favorite things to do. Um, I was trying to think of a opening for this episode, and I was like, oh, I'll just take the little, like, audio he, uh, they have at the end of every episode, like the little Cartoon Network um, right. little clapper, just like mm -hmm. I drew it. And I'm like, easy, just like I podcast it. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. I've already established a, like, style for the In Other Tunes episodes. Right. So I had to kind of crowbar that also in. Gotcha. <laughs> um... Welcome back to In Other Tunes, everyone. I'm uh -huh. Carter. And I'm Sydney. And this is a series, I, I think if there was one or two things we wanted to make a sort of non-Disney side series for, this has to be in the top three or four, right? Yeah, this is like quickly becoming almost equal to our level of Disney content um, because I think we just realized that like while we love and are passionate about Disney really we just overall are fans of animation of any kind and we have been for our entire lives so we have just as much to talk about oh absolutely um, especially because we really are in like I mean Disney is kind of has been in a renaissance for a while now but also Basically, since we were in, like, end of middle school, high school, another, like, we've seen a real um, renaissance from other studios as well, including right. Cartoon Network. Um, yeah. Since Adventure Time in 2010, they've just basically been on a streak of hit after hit, and that is kind of what has brought us here today. Right. You know, the other day I was thinking about the trifecta of, like, children's networks, which is... Disney, Nickelodeon, and Cartoon Network, and like, what what role each of them aims to to play and or to like to fulfill with 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 the same audience. They're all competing with the exact same audience, and it's like how consistent have they been for their entire careers? And it's like, I think I've probably mentioned this before in the past. I don't know if on this podcast, but like. Disney's aim was to be like we want content that the entire family watches together mm. and Nickelodeon's angle is like we want this channel to feel like kids literally produced it yeah and it, this is like the by kids for kids thing yeah but like it's Cartoon Network thing. yeah Cartoon Network has always been like the art house like kids network of like this is where people who just graduated from art school get to make their like artistic stuff and get to like express like their like this is for the adults that are passionate about animation and have something really artistic to create they go to Cartoon Network that is 
you know what? I did not, like, it is kind of early in the morning compared to when we <laughs> usually record. I did not expect you to come in with hitting me with a sizzling frying pan hot take. That is yeah. really good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Because like, Disney has the advantage that they have so much expanded stuff. It really is, like, they're, like, the family thing of, like, you're going to sit down with your kids and you're yeah. going to watch a piece of entertainment. And no, it's not going to be too weird or too out there. It's going to be no. something everyone can enjoy. Right. Nick has that punk rock, like, yeah, boogers, slime people. Yeah. Do a kickflip on your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and Cartoon Network has always, like, because even, like, Cow and Chicken or Dexter's Lab, it's, like, weird and slightly adult. Like, yeah, because they have the parent company, Warner Brothers, it does feel like some of that Looney Tunes energy of, like, really intricate, like, really sophisticated animation with really sort of off-the-wall sense of humor. Right. <laughs> Adventure Time's a great example of that, because I never forget, I always have to remember this, the literal first line of any Adventure Time episode is Princess Bubblegum saying, and just a drop of explosive diarrhea, as she's, like, <laughs> making a potion. And then by up. Like, by season three, we're having, like, I we realize, oh, the wacky Ice King character is actually, like, suffering from a severe mental health breakdown because yeah. his crown is poisoning his brain. Right. Um, yeah. Um, that is interesting. And Cartoon Network has basically been good for our entire lives. Pretty much. Like, pretty damn consistent, other than that period from, like, literally just 2008 to 2010 where a new like sort of, like, action. head of the studio came in and was, like... I know it's called Cartoon Network, but what if we didn't do that? <laughs> that was literally their marketing. And I'm just like, oh, well, then I'm not going to watch. Yeah, I don't have nothing. I mean, we're done here. Yeah, like, you have nothing to provide me, sir. I will right. continue on. <laughs> Good day. Um, yeah, and it was literally like, you know, every animation studio, and Disney's not free of this, and Nickelodeon hasn't been free of it either. You get one, like, creative head who's just so embarrassed that they have to be in charge of the kitty channel. So they're yeah. like, well, if we make it live action, we'll look cooler. Yeah, no, dude, this is... And then literally like, two years later... Like, this is an later, example of, like, you had one job. <laughs> right. And then literally two years later, some guy who worked on The Misadventures of Flapjack was like, hey, I have an idea for a show. And then, like, his show spawns off seven other shows. And then, you know, Cartoon Network's back and better than ever. And right. that honestly leads us directly into the show we've wanted to talk about. I've realized we've been talking for a bit and haven't said what this and episode's actually talked about. To you about. Right, yeah. Um, so this episode is about <laughs> one of our favorite shows, uh, Craig of the Creek. Craig it of is, the Creek. It is a Cartoon Network show that originally, uh, it's kind of complicated because it originally aired its pilot in 2017, but the series didn't really start till 2018. Right. Wow, we've had four years of this show. I, which is hard to believe. That it's been that long. It still feels like a new show to me. Right? Like, it feels... Because, I, like, I decided to actually go back and rewatch this, and I was blindsided by how many episodes there actually are. Yeah. Because, it, yeah, it does feel like I just heard about this and just got into it. Right. Um, it is, uh, was created by Matt Burnett and Ben Levin, uh, two people who worked prominently on Steven Universe, which kind of ties into what we were talking about, why Cartoon Network has had such a consistent track record they very much have a pipeline you work on one person's show and then you get to pitch your show you know mm. rebecca sugar got started storyboarding on adventure time they get to make steven universe 
and Steven Universe has like four different craters spawn up and make their own things, which got us to Craig of the Creek. Right. Um, Craig of the Creek <laughs> is about the main character, Craig, uh, Craig Williams, and him, he's uh, a fifth grader, I believe, still in the canon of the series. I don't yeah. think they've aged him up just yet. Um, and his two friends, Kelsey and JP, as they spend their summers and after school time in the creek, which is this huge sprawling wilderness where basically all of the kids of this sort of Maryland neighborhood, like right. suburb, hang out and play an adventure. This is, this is a very special show. It It is, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I can say, honestly, um, the first, like, fully black cast for an animated mm-hmm. series ever honestly like <laughs> what proud family other proud ones? family okay yeah proud proud family did it first yeah it's like yeah two if i had a nickel for every there time this would happen it would be two which isn't a lot and it's alarming it's not that many it's right yeah um and that's an, an extremely special thing you know it's like for for as many people that claim that like race should have nothing to do with anything or should have anything to do with their entertainment that they that they consume it's like no at least from my perspective as a black person like these characters being black elevates every other aspect of what makes the show about children playing right. like really delicious to to watch because it really is the first thing that popped out to me. Literally, I was just like, oh, the main character is black, and it's also, like, his family plays a prominent role. Um, You know, he has a mom and dad, he has a younger sister and older brother, and um, his grandparents are pretty prominent characters. Yeah. Um, It's established his grandmother, like, was particularly active during the 60s civil rights movement, which I think Mm -hmm. is a cool addition. And I actually was just thinking about this, when well and like i'm glad we're talking about this first because you know we've had to deal with like a whole freaking week now of little mermaid discourse and it's just so right um like so i was watching i was skimming through random episodes and there's one where craig um is in the creek uh jp and kelsey his two friends are on vacation so he's by himself and two other sort of ancillary characters like one of the biker kids and Personally, my favorite character, Sparkle Cadet, and we'll get into, like, the various attractions as we go. Um, They're all like, let's go on an adventure to go get ice popped because it's, like, the hottest day of the year. And Mm -hmm. I really thought about it. And I'm like, how nuts is this that this is the first time I've seen a show where, like, we're just following the adventure of three black characters who aren't related in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. They just happen to be, like, friends or people who hang out in the same area. Right. Yeah. And uh, like, I don't know about you, but you know, this show reminds me so much of like my own childhood and the things that we did. I feel like we see, like, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like millennials especially joke about like, oh, handing kids an iPad. And like, that's what childhood is. It's like, like, you don't like look out and see kids like playing in the way that we did. And mm-hmm. there's probably a number of legitimate reasons for that. But like, this show feels especially nostalgic for me in that, like, yeah, I grew up in a neighborhood that had, like, a wooded area that we would, like, go to and, oh, like, yeah. just do nothing in particular. But everything that we did do felt very, like, serious and elevated. And we took it seriously. We took ourselves seriously. 
Right, right. Um, yeah, it does feel like this show captures, like, and it's interesting because it's in the present day, but it does feel nostalgic where it's, like, for us who were, like, that last generation before the iPhone, where it's, like, yeah. well, we had video games. And, right. like, you know, the kids, it's established that the kids play video games, but it goes hand in hand with their outdoor activities. Right. And in the show, being a, quote, unquote, inside kid isn't looked down upon, but it's <laughs> looked at as, like, a like a fate we want to avoid because that's just not right. us. Um, I think in terms of like the play aspect and how seriously they take it, this is kind of where I'm going to bring my uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos take into gotcha. the mix. And I told you this one before. Mm. I genuinely believe this show is the closest thing our generation has to Calvin and Hobbes. Mm. Um, Calvin and Hobbes, but through a millennial lens. Because mm-hmm. what is Calvin and Hobbes? Calvin and Hobbes is a story about a kid with an overactive imagination who takes, goes on these extraordinary adventures in his head that are all themed around different ideas. You know, sometimes he's a cowboy, sometimes he's a space commander, sometimes he's in like the land of the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And this is very much that where like all the kids in the creek have their own little squads who take their activity deadly seriously. Yeah. Like, for example, well, Kelsey's the main example. She is super into, like, fantasy novels right. and fantasy adventures. She carries around she, a PVC pipe as a sword. That's like a, <laughs> yeah, it's like a, what is that? Boffer sword. It's a, what is yeah. it? LARPing. Yeah. She, like, does monologues in her head, like, narrating her adventures. Right. Um, there's the 10 Speeds, who are, like, the biker kids who have, like, built ramps in the park. Um, there's the anime kids who, like make their own little smoke bombs and, like, right. have this tranquil river that they, like, sit and do haikus at. There's a monarchy. Um, yes, there's a monarchy, which we will get to. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's the tea timers who, like, dress up as, like, Victorian posh people. Mm-hmm. Um, and my personal favorite, the horse girls. Um, <laughs> who I, I j- like, I know we're kind of jumping around here, but I just want to talk about, and, again, one of the skills of this show is, like, all the side characters get just enough time to have fun bits yeah. Um, so it's established that JP has a crush on one of the horse girls. Who I want to establish aren't just like enthusiastic about horses. They pretend to be horses. Right. They like eat at troughs. They like neigh. They do like horse and pony shows. Right. And there is one kid in the group who quietly just doesn't like horses that much. <laughs> Who's who clearly is like, well, I like these people, and if I have to participate in this activity, I guess I'll have to suck it up. And there's a moment where we see their, like, horsonas. Like, we go into imagination Horsons. land, and we see what they would look like as horses. Right. Except her, who is just in her regular clothes <laughs> with one of those rubber horse masks that, like, <laughs> like yeah. the, the Harlem Shake era brought on us. Yeah. And I'm just like, that is the funniest GD thing. I, <laughs> like, the humor in this show is so see, madcap and dumb. <laughs> This is why th- this is why I describe Cartoon Network as like the millennial art house. Like this is why I believe that like all Cartoon Network is is just a bunch of like millennial age really artistic people like referencing things that they just find funny and entertaining and 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 artistic to themselves like because yes, it is set in modern day, but it's like when you're describing these like horse girls who pretend to be horses, like we all like that was direct from our elementary school days like all these groups are like, yeah, I know exactly. I could name names if I wanted to of like who 
was in each of these groups. Like, like I could, I could look through my yearbook right now and be like, yep, I know exactly who was in the horse girl group. Right, right. And I think, again, like much like Kevin and Hobbs, the sort of reference pool they have is simultaneously super duper specific, but broad enough that like any generation can understand it. Right. Like, even like Craig, who's like, I'm going to map everything. I'm going to draw everything out. I have my, like, I have, like, I love being prepared. I have like 17 different rolls of duct tape. Right. Or like JP, who is just a walking calamity, whose whole bit is like, he's, he's just described as tall. No one knows exactly how old he is. They're like, yeah, we just found him one day and he joined our squad. Right. Um, And just, he can't go one day without colliding with something or getting a new injury or like destroying his clothes. Yeah. Every SpongeBob needs a Patrick. Like he's, he's the Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I almost like struggle to describe this show because it is like, again, it's super broad yet super specific. And I think what carries it is we're always straddling this line of like how real everything is versus how imaginary everything is. Mm. Like, we'll have a moment where we're imagining this huge, like, mech fight um, with cardboard robots, but then it'll cut and you're like, right, these are just a bunch of boxes and someone knocked over a box. Right. Um, Or, like, for example, the kids have to, like, prepare dinner um, for one of their parents and Mm. they're like, wait, we're not allowed to turn the stove on. And then the stove (laughs) just the knob twists and like, oh, it turned itself on. And JP looks at it just bewildered. (laughs) Yeah. Like it has such a good sense it has such a intriguing and delightful sense of perspective from like a kid's eyes. Right. Where like we get it lets us be as fanciful as we want it to be while still maintaining like ground. You know, these are yeah. kids and these right. are like empathetic characters, not like you Exactly. Know, larger than life figures. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, my like to talk about like the its sense of reality i think it is so refreshing to like see a show like because you know it's like like i nothing is in a vacuum and it's like as much as children are watching things like cartoon network or, or craig of the creek is like is just as much as they're consuming like news or you know like other media outlets where they're seeing some symbols and and imagery of like black people being portrayed in a certain way or like black Mm -hmm. families like the idea of the black family kind of being deconstructed for a lot of us like who didn't grow up in in two-parent households like to see a very like normalized healthy family that like kind of just so happens to be black and it's like not Mm -hmm. drawn too much attention to but like it, it just sort of is a an element here it like there's something really safe about that and and especially because like every member of the family like is active like it all the way through to like their grandparents that is that is something really special and and truly unique and something that I'm glad that this show like gives an equal amount of attention to yeah i i definitely like that was one of the points i think i tried to make this point previously about into the spider verse where we get very where miles is pulled between basically two sort of family units between uncle Aaron and his actual parents. And we're presented two very different sort of perspectives on a black household. And both are just played like very matter of factly and very like, mm-hmm. I don't know. They're just given like the matter same fact, amount of credibility. Yeah. They're not right. like neither is better or worse or flawed. 
they just exist as they are. Right. Um, which is something that's really pleasant. Um, and it's just like, I, I think what I love about specifically Craig's family is, is how much we get to spend time with each of his family members individually. Like we get a really clear picture of all their personalities and we get to like spend a lot of like really good time with each of them and, and what they, how they like affect Craig and what they do in their life, what their life is like. It's like, it's not just the perspective of like this little black, boy but like his teenage older brother like what's Mm -hmm. like his life and like look in the interaction that he has with his girlfriend or like his parents and his grandparents and and even as like his little sister like all of the little adventures that we go on with each of them individually feels so like I just I can't stop saying the word refreshing but like it's just so interesting to watch them all yeah no I agree and it is refreshing because it's like we don't it's been a while since I've seen a show this well observed where it's like they're writing and speaking about little moments that you never thought you'd see on TV, but it's like you experience every day. And yeah, particularly his siblings, yeah. I love a lot. Right. Well, I love his dad just because I'm like, this is, everyone mm-hmm. wants a dad like this. Like well aware that he's kind of uncool, right, but exactly. also cool and like constantly straddling the line. Um, right. But yeah, his sister Jessica, I adore. She's one of my favorite animated characters because again, she is so well observed where she's like, yes, this is what like yeah. a six year old, like six, seven year old is like, where they're like very, they think they're old enough to be an adult mm-hmm. now. So they're like very businessy and they're very like, I have a system and I'm organized. Um, yeah. She gets most of the best deadpan jokes. Right. <laughs> and his, like his brother she is does. like, again, he is the perfect, like, I'm going to college teenager. Um, Right. Yeah, I'm too cool for this. Yeah, but actually not, he's not kind of loose. really that cool at all, actually. Um, or a nerd. Um, and in he general, is, I just, yeah. and I think that's one of the advantages that having the show run so long is that we do have episodes where it's like, <laughs> oh, every single member of his family has multiple episodes like that kind of focus on them. Every like little faction mm-hmm. in the creek who's interesting gets their own little episode where we get to figure out like what their personalities are like or what they do. Um and like right. we've seen every parental group between the main three now and something that strikes me again and again I'm gonna keep hammering this Calvin and Hobbes comparison into the ground but like the parents meet the kids at their level like Craig's parents are always asking questions about the creek yeah. and humoring the more fanciful parts of his stories that probably didn't happen and were probably just for our benefit like they're always right. encouraging him always playing along like they find mm-hmm. Craig finds an old note in the creek and his dad is like trying to help him decipher it and playing along like, yeah, you know, I'm actually a spy, obviously. Like, you know, being a computer person is just my cover. Right. Um, Kelsey's dad is quietly one of my favorite right. characters. Like it's established that she lost her mom at a young age and her mom was into all of this nights and adventuring stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's where she gets all of her fantasy books. So, like, mm. her dad plays along. Like, when he needs her to go order takeout, he frames it. He's like, my dear knight, I have the most important quest for you right now. Also, he, one of my favorite little moments in the show is yeah. Craig has to use the bathroom, so they have to run to Kelsey's house because it's the closest. And her dad assumes something happened because Kelsey isn't mm-hmm. with them. So he's, like, panicking. He's like, you have to tell me, son. You Just tell me what happened. And Craig just screams, I have to poop. 
and you just see him shaking with anger. He's like, you made me think that my daughter <laughs> just, just used, the, used the guest bathroom. It's on the first floor. Um, I recently saw the episode um, where Kelsey, like, breaks something in Craig's house with the PVC and, and her dad, like... Oh, yeah. I literally just watched that episode. Takes it away from her and she is, like, depressed and has to, like... But she, like, it just... I. I love how serious, like, all of that was, her having, like, her sword taken and her having to, like, prove her honor against so that she can, If they were even 5% less serious about their adventuring, it just wouldn't work. Because they're kids, and this is the most important thing right, in the world. Right, exactly. Like, my ver- like, I remember, like, back when right. I was their age, when I was, like, in third-ish, fourth-ish grade, like, me and a couple people would always play Star Fox, like, not the video game. We would pretend we were the characters and we would be running around. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. I get being mm. very committed to a part. I get get being committed to your role in, like, a friend right. circle and play group. <laughs> and if you don't take it, you have to take it right. just seriously enough that it, like, the rea- you know, it's a bonding moment. But not seriously enough that it's not fun. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, and right. that episode also is great because... Her, Kelsey's dad comes in is like, hey, I made myself, because he's a handyman. He's like, I made myself a key. This isn't breaking and entering. And I'm like, what an unhinged little, like, they <laughs> think of little moments like that. Just weird thing, quirks and twists dad to characters. And then even JP's mom right. establishes like a, a pilot. And there's just one episode where he's like, he's invited them over to, to a sleepover. And for some reason, he's weirdly obsessed that they have to be in home time to watch their version of Saturday Night Live. And then he's like, yeah, because this is what me and my mom watch, mm. and I wanted you guys to finally meet my mom because she has weird work hours, but I didn't want to admit that because I didn't want to be embarrassed that I wanted you guys to meet my mommy. <laughs> and I'm like, God, what? Again, yeah. th- things you didn't think you needed to see, like, written down. People do or, like, on portrayed, TV, yeah. But you're like, yeah, that's a real moment that that's I've legitimate. experienced. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> and in terms of, like... I know that, like, a little, another little moment on this front, and it's another, like, thing I noticed in the Calvin and Hobbes thing, is they also break the fourth wall, and yet it doesn't break the reality of the show. Because right. you have to remember they're kids, like, they're playing, and kids grow up with media that's constantly breaking the fourth wall. Like, kids think right. they're in their own little show. Uh, right. Like a great point someone made is literally every child is a comedic support character from a Disney Channel show. Like they'll, right. they'll say yeah. something like, ugh, Mondays. And you're like, where the hell did you learn that? Right. They, they yeah. learned it from Miley Cyrus. Pretty much, yeah. Um, that is funny. And you know, God, you know a show is good when you're like, I almost just want to keep describing random episodes. Like when you're talking yeah, to someone about it. Yeah, I was going to ask like, what, like, do you have a favorite episode that you've seen? Oh, that is tough. The horse girl episode, just because of that one bit, like that running bit, um, I really like an episode where there's a kid in the creek who's established as the secret keeper. You go to him, you trade him a soda, and he puts takes the empty bottle and puts whatever secret you wrote in. The creek gets flooded, mm-hmm. and all the secrets get out. And the tea, and the tea timers, who are like the snooty rich kids, decide they find one of the secrets and they're like gambling it off. So like <laughs> it forces all these kids in the creek to finally tell the truth about things to their friends. And it works mm. out because all the friends, like, are super cool about it. Because it's like, I'm glad you were honest. Because we're friends, yeah. Um, a lot of my favorite episodes tie in with sort of one of the bigger overarching plots. Which, I will say, this show for me is, like, the perfect middle ground between We Bear Bears. Which is like, you know, 
madcap and carefree and uber episodic and with like sprinklings of like long form like callbacks and stuff and steven universe that had its episodic streaks but like the parts everyone quote unquote liked were the like seven straight episodes of continuity and like plot following after plot Mm -hmm. because most of the episodes for craig the creek are episodic it's a little misadventure in the creek like, they want to explore a new area, or they, ha- like, have accidentally broken something or lost something and they have to find it, or they have to bring someone to the creek this week, um, or they discover a new group in the creek. But um, season two and three had a really long overarching plot about the other side of the creek. And that is where I think everything great about the show really coalesces. Mm. Um the idea is the creek used to be one huge play area that got split up by an overpass. So on one side is Craig and all of his friends. Right. And the other side is what's called the king of the creek. Yes. So this one kid, it's established there's this one kid who's like from a bougie rich family. And again, he is also black, which I like because it's yeah. like, again, a different shape, like a different perspective on blackness, right. which is cool. Like, the idea is they're very waspy, so he can get all the best candy. Mm-hmm. And basically, he just bribes kids into playing his elaborate, like, king fantasy. Right, So they all and have they to, like, dress up. Yeah, they all have roles. Mm-hmm. And the entire, like, huge chunks of the third season are just about him slowly trying to take over the other side of the creek, escalating in this huge capture of the flag um, The capture battle. of the flag episode, yeah. And if I was going to try to sell someone on the show who might not normally be into it, I would be, like... Watch as much of the first season as you can mm-hmm. and then try to get like bits and pieces of this sort of overarching plot. Like if you're more into plotting stuff, this captures like sort of the madcap imagination fueled like misadventures, but centered around a plot. Like I like that it can have kind of a serious plot because the stakes are like if they lose the capture of the flag game, they lose the creek basically. Essentially, but yeah. at the same time, it's all through this filter of imagination. Like right. it's you know, they're imagining they all have superpowers and they're all using their super moves mm-hmm. and all these characters from the show's history come back. Yeah. You know, they get to do their one, like, action move. Right. Uh, my favorite is there's a running character named Bobby whose big thing is he just likes candy and something always happens that causes him to spill his candy. He's basically the my leg of yeah. Craig of the Creek mm-hmm. where he's just like, oh, my candy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and during this Capture the Flag game, you like, he basically goes, like, Super Saiyan from Dragon Ball Z after eating candy, but then we see what's really happening, and he's just pelting a kid with candy <laughs> into submission. Right. Um, yeah, like stuff like that. Um, I really like the episode with uh, the only other one I'll reference because otherwise we'll be here all day because I'll literally just say every I know. episode. Um, there's the episode with Cybertron, I believe he is. He's mm. like the guy who has a mixtape on his chest. He's like, I'm a robot from the future. And he listens to like Wu-Tang-esque music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like his whole bit is he does freestyle raps mm-hmm. based on Wu-Tang music. <laughs> and I'm like, again, it's yeah, so... we know who this is. Yeah, there's someone like that. There's at least seven people you know like that. And yet he's not like anyone I've ever seen before. I, that bouncing act is insane. Right. Um I don't know what kind of what are some of your episodes well the the well to to go off of the capture the flag special um i think like that that one is a really special episode but like my favorite part of that is that like when they are like they craig and and his friends decide that like the king has gotten out of hand and they need to go talk to his parents like um (laughs) and they find his older brother 
and his also older sister, like both of his, both of his older siblings, the king, were were king, including his sister, right. like who had the title of king second, I think. Like, and we get, and I just love because like these kids show up to like talk to the former king and like, but he's like seventeen years old and he's with his like teenage he's like, friends. Yeah, and this he's is like, kind of after. Oh, these kids are weird. Yeah, like he tries to play it off. Like I yeah, don't know. His what sister's about. like really embarrassed by him. Yeah, exactly. They're like, uh, but then they like a part of them still believes in it and takes it seriously. Like, like a part of them is like, yeah, I used to be king. Like. He's let yeah. it get to and his head. And I'm gonna head. warn you, he's not gonna give up the throne. No, yeah, exactly. Like they, they kind of like are able to snap back into this imagined reality of of yeah. their their reign. And also, like somehow, like, and I like to think uh, the creators got this from Steven Universe, but it feels like they have like 50 years of this creek sketched out. Yeah. So they can call back to like different eras. Like they find a bunker from like the 70s. Mm. They're like they find a soda bottle and they're like this label hasn't been in print since the seventies. Right. So like the idea that there's like all these different generations and like all these different kids played there and like have memories of it. Yeah. Um, there's like, uh, yeah. And I love that too. And that actually reminds me of one of my favorite moments from the capture the flag thing. The King like forces all of the kids who are in his domain to like give him their like emergency contacts. Yeah. So his Trump card when Craig like insults him is to just call oh, Craig's mother. mom yeah. and be like, he hit me (laughs) and i'm like yes again that's right that is yeah that he the king character in general is one of my favorites in terms of like uh, everyone knows this ass yeah yeah like maybe he'll figure it out when he grows up and learns a little humility but like what a weasel it's so it's perfect yeah um yeah but the other my other like probably favorite episode is um (laughs) It's it's framed like an episode of Pokemon. Um, it's where Craig and his grandfather like find a tadpole and oh, they yeah. raise they raise like this tadpole. But it's essentially an episode of Pokemon where like it keeps transforming. Keeps evolving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it evolves, and they're like they just like they they take they take cuts like directly from Pokemon like stylistically, and I'm just like yeah, this is does, written like, by the millennials. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, it's a, exactly like every episode feels like they thought of a different game or like genre or TV show, and right. just were like, "This will be the focus for this episode." Right. Man, again, it's it kind of is like in terms of this era of Cartoon Network, I think it's the one that just strikes the balance of everything good about post Adventure Time Cartoon Network. Yeah, it's got. It's got incredible representation that's very lived in and, like, earnest and fully realized, Yeah, for lack of a better term. It's vibrant and colorful. It straddles the line between madcap sort of nonsense humor, Mm -hmm. but also having sincerity and, like, pathos for the characters. Yeah, I think Cartoon Network is in its era of, like, realism, honestly. Like, I... And I and I guess that's that's because the Adventure Time Steven Universe era was so fantastical, like it w- was mm-hmm. so extreme in the other direction. Like all of its shows from that era were really yeah. out there. Chowder, like it, it they were all super yeah. out there. And so yeah, this is sort of the era of like, well, what do kids like just do every day? Right. 
And even We Bear Bears, <clears throat> as fantastical as it was, all of their situations were incredibly mundane. Yeah. Like they got two into tote bags one episode. Yeah. Like that was just a whole episode. Or, like, they opened a cafe and it went poorly. Mm-hmm. Or, like, they took some clothes from, like, a, a Goodwill and now they're getting pulled into different, like, so- social circles. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think it's... Cartoon Network has found a niche. It's found its whole... Yes, it's exactly as you described it. It's 20-somethings can get a lot out of animation. Like, animation allows them to describe emotions and feelings mm-hmm. in a fantastical and, like, accessible way that sometimes live-action film just can't fully realize. Right. And I think Craig of the Creek is one of the perfect distillations of that. Mm-hmm. That also just happens to be funny and goofy and... Charming, yeah. Just, yeah, endlessly charming. Right. Um, do you have any other points you wanted to cover? No, this is just, this conversation is just making me want to go watch it. <laughs> right? Like, I know we've had a good, like, little talking session when we do just boil down to being like, it's Craig of the Creek, it's great, it's Craig right. of the Creek. What like, else this episode, it? that episode. Yeah. Yeah, like, look at this. Like, we just had to turn it into a YouTube video where we just show clips and we're like, look at this. This is my favorite clip, yeah. Like, why do we need to explain this to you? Right. Um, but, no. yes. I'm glad um, we got to this, talk about this today. Oh, oh, yeah. Again, one of the reasons why we want to do another Tunes is because there are just certain shows and series that we feel like really deserve a spotlight. Mm. And this is maybe the apex example of it. Absolutely, yeah. And until we're back in the creek again, <laughs> I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. Have a magical day. Thanks for listening. The Disney Desk is written, produced, and edited by Sydney Nicole Barkley and Carter Glace. Please follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk or send us an email at podcastdisneydesk at gmail.com. Want to support the magic? Use the link in the show's notes to make a donation to the Disney Desk podcast. We would greatly appreciate it.